Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Cavaliers. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cavaliers podcast. As always, I'm Chris Manning, your host from FearTheSword.com. And joining me today, formerly of FearTheSword, now of The Athletic, which you can go subscribe to right now, it is David Zabok. David, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. So obviously, we have we have things to dive into today. Um, there are things with the Cavs that have happened. There have actually has been some, some news with this team in a way that I, I don't know if I was necessarily expecting to happen the way they presented it. Uh, we're going to talk about a bunch today, including the Cavs' three-point shooting. But the big thing is, is Dwayne Wade is now going to come off the bench for the Cavs. He apparently asked Tyron Lou to go to that role, feeling it's best for him and the team. Uh, this comes at, on the heels of him saying he's struggling to fit in, kind of playing a new role for him, which makes a lot of sense. And J.R. Smith goes back to being in the starting lineup. David, what was your just initial reaction to Dwayne Wade and the Cavs saying, like, basically just saying, yes, this is the best role for him and this group, but we're going to do this right now after committing to him being the starter not more than a week ago. I don't know that anybody was – for you know, Dwayne Wade's a smart guy, right? So mm-hmm. um, I don't know that anybody was super committed to uh, Dwayne Wade as the starter uh, in theory. I think everybody thought it had – to happen it had to start that way um just because of who he is and what his career's been especially from Uh, the outside looking in i think a lot of us were saying he's probably going to want to start and i think there was that assumption kind of when he got signed that okay like is he going to accept the bench role and then it seemed like that wasn't going to be the case yeah and and i don't i don't i don't think there were a lot of people in the locker room either that felt really good about it and that they all kept saying it like he said it before they you know made the adjustment he said i'm trying to find my role i'm trying to figure out you know how this is going to work and uh, i think tyloo you know there was a a, you know a piece where tyloo was basically saying like in that starting lineup he might not even be the third option and so um I, i just think there was a lot of discomfort from everyone in terms of how Wade would actually look with that starting group. And, um, you know, everybody in the locker room, you know, knows who Dwayne Wade is. And and so that's why it sort of happened at the beginning of the year anyway. But um, I don't think anybody went in, even within that team, I don't think anybody went into the season saying, wow, we're really, you know, excited about Dwayne Wade to start. Um, As my dog keeps getting this chew toy. But, uh, but yeah, so in a way, I'm 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 surprised that that it happened so quickly, um, but it's I think it's to everyone's credit that that the change is happening. Yeah, I mean, there's the big wind horse piece right away. I mean, just about how he was kind of disrupting things. I mean, just in as much as we as Kev's Twitter, and I shouldn't necessarily put you in this because I don't know if you've tweeted this. We're looking at Calderon as sort of the guy that that pushed Richard Jefferson 
I like his roster spot was Jefferson's. Like there was no the the guy that really pushed everyone to somewhere else was Dwayne Wade. Dwayne right. Wade coming in when he came in, not later in the year, not when the Cavs had maybe made some other moves or something. Like him coming in at the point that he did was reason Richard Jefferson. It's really the reason reason Richard Jefferson is not on the team. And and you can talk about I think how the Cavs approach their roster differently. If last year with David Griffin, they purposely kept a roster spot open. This year they went in with 15 and, and kind of had to make a move that was going to be uncomfortable either way. I think most people would have preferred to be called their own, but you can understand logically why they probably just want to have that point guard death while Isaiah is out and while they, they're they playing Derek Rose, who has this history of, of breaking down and is already hurt and is going to you know, miss more games already than, he, than he's played to start the year, which is not a great sign, but way coming off the bench, I think it probably maybe makes it easier for him to acclimate. My, my thing with him is I think he can provide something to this team. He can provide shot creation. He can provide scoring. He can provide, I think, really useful lineups where he can be paired with other guys, I think Kevin Love in particular, and kind of keep things going on LeBron's on the floor. I think the best use for him is not playing with LeBron. I think it's getting him to do things that Dwayne he's still good at and maximize again in the right circumstances I think when everyone's healthy he's probably the fourth option on the team if you look at Kevin Love I think has to be number two I think a healthy Isaiah Thomas is number two or number three and not LeBron's obviously one I think you put Wade at four and I think if you start him you're asking him to kind of fill roles that he's not equipped to in terms of shooting in terms of defense JR can do those things JR's not perfect and JR his shooting can be all over the place. His shooting was bad last year. His defense can be all over the place, but he has a better chance of offering that in that role alongside LeBron next to Derrick Rose, who's not a good shooter, better than Wade can. I think if you can just get Wade doing things that he's comfortable doing to start off, that's probably a win too. Yeah, I think there's two there's two questions, right? And uh, the first one is, you know, does he have anything left? And I'm not sure that we have a positive answer to that question yet. Um, but if he does, then I think you're 100% right that, um, you know, if, if he still has something left in the tank, he can still facilitate, um, maybe do a little bit of cutting off ball. Um, you know, I think there are second units, especially if they could, you know, find ways to have Wade and Love out on the court together where they could run some really fun offensive sets and, you know, you'd trust Wade to find him and all of that. Um, I think, unfortunately, if he doesn't have enough left, then he becomes one of those players. And unfortunately, the Cavs have might ha- have just too many of these guys, but um, he becomes another player that really can't function unless he's out on the court with LeBron, um, which is sort of ironic because, you know, they spent so much time in Miami trying to figure out those two, you know, playing together and complimenting one another. And I don't know that they ever found a, a perfect balance of it. But, um, you know, the the story of, of the Cavs over the last few years is that they've sort of needed LeBron to stabilize lineups. And, you know, maybe Dwayne Wade three years ago, um, you know, could do that, you know, and, and give LeBron a chance to rest. I don't know if he's that good anymore. Um, or if he could do that, but um, it, 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 I think, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's where we're at, and and you're totally right about Derrick Rose, which is unfortunate because I think he played really well in those first two games, or at least you know well enough where he looked like 
he's quick enough off the dribble that he can at least put pressure on defenses and, and, and get them to react. Um, so even though Rose isn't shooting the ball, um, he at least, um, you know, can bend defenses a little bit. And I just haven't seen that ability from Wade yet. And, and now he goes to the, you know, to a, a role that hopefully will be better for him. Um, but I kind of want to see it first. I do too, I, and I think JR's move and in, in adjustment will be a lot simpler. I, I think you hit on a really important point about Rose is that he's been good when he's able to do the few things he's still sort of good at. He's not Derrick Rose of old anymore. Like, and everyone just kind of has to, I think, accept it. Um, the, the role the Cavs outlined for him was driving and kicking and creating for others out of the pick and roll and in space, and Wade's not a guy that really helps you do that at this point. He's not. I mean, he hit that three the other night against the Magic. Um, he can, I think, you know, probably hit corner threes decently enough where, like, at least he can shoot them and it, it did not be a bad shot. But he's not going to be a knockdown shooter. And the tricky thing is, it's like, who, how many shooters do the Cavs actually have? More? And, like, you don't have – you have Korver, but you don't have Kyrie anymore to, to provide that spacing. You don't, I don't think Love's – overall best use on this team is just as someone to shoot like I don't think that's a particularly good use for love because they need him to do other stuff and I th- I've really liked what they're doing with him on the elbow a little bit this year and, and something we haven't seen and getting LeBron cutting off ball and Shumpert's not a shooter um, Jeff Green is is not a particularly useful shooter and Tom Tristan Thompson obviously is not and like you're not playing Channing Fry, so you're sort of lacking some of these things and then you're, you're finding this weird balance like I think Isaiah, if he's healthy, is going to be a big addition for this team. Um, before we get deeper into this, a reminder to everyone that today's podcast is brought to you by the good folks over at SeatGeek. Now, if you don't know what SeatGeek is, it is a free app you can get on your iPhone, smartphone. You can go to their website, SeatGeek.com. You can buy tickets to anything you want to see. So if you want to see a Cavs game, and there's maybe not some of the best teams in the NBA coming up, but if you want to see Porzingis, if you want to see some of the other NBA's good young stars in the next few weeks, you can get tickets right on SeatGeek. You can see the view from your seat right in the app. You can compare seats from all across the arena. You know if you're getting a good deal or a bad deal based on how they score the tickets. If it's green, it's good. If it's red, it's bad. And you're not going to have any hidden fees or any problems with SeatGeek. I use SeatGeek all the time. I just used it to get any ticket for the playoffs so I could actually go see them before they flamed out. And inevitably, I'm going to use it to see a concert again. I use it to get Cuddy tickets, and at some point, I'll probably use it to get Cavs tickets to on a net where I'm not covering the team. But download that app today. Use the promo code LOMBA and save $20 on your first purchase. That's promo code LOMBA. NBA. So, David, you wrote about the Cavs' three-point shooting uh, for the Athletic in your first piece over there. Uh, listeners, you can find that piece in the show notes. So, if you want, if you haven't read that already, uh, and you should subscribe to the Athletic while you do that as well. But one of the things I, I think we maybe as a as a collective group on Cavs Twitter maybe haven't talked about enough is that the Cavs' roster, and you you hit on this, the Cavs' roster is just different. Kyle Korver. Be, last year was a luxury when they got him right. Like Kyrie provided the spacing, and Jr. You know was playing a lot of minutes, and RJ was you know could shoot threes, and, and Channing Fry was playing. Kyle Korver is now sort of the one really good shooter coming off the bench. Shumpert again is not. All these other guys are just not shooting, and and I think like you can make that work, but it's it's an, I think it's a big identity adjustment for this group, and it's an identity adjustment for LeBron in a way that you think good LeBron teams come with a lot of shooting and when you don't have that sort of built in I think it just is an adjustment especially when you're adding a big personality in a in a ball player like Dwayne Wade 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you know, I, I've written two pieces for the Athletic, and both of them were sort of um, prefaced on this idea that that Dwayne Wade made thing, made things sort of difficult. But now that they replace him with J.R. Smith, I think it solves a lot of their problems. Um, you're right; they don't have the amount of shooters that they did a year ago. Losing Kyrie hurts in a big way. Um, we've seen mixed things from Kyle Korver in, in terms of how uh, useful he can be. It, it's kind of like Channing Fry was a year ago, where uh, Fry was still making a high percentage of shots, but the defense has kind of gotten to a point where he better be making them or else it gets really difficult to play uh, him. And I think we've seen Korver, you know, have a night where, you know, he was he was making everything. Um, and of, of course, then of, of course you have to be playing Kyle Korver. But then I think we have a couple nights where he hasn't been able to get it going, and then it, it becomes sort of, of and, it, and it's unfair to do it that way. And you play the percentages and all that, but the lack of defense makes it hard. But I do think you add J.R. Smith into the starting lineup. You already have Kevin Love and Jay Crowder there. Um, LeBron James is is a, a, a you know a good enough or you know competent three point shooter. Um, at this point in his career, um, particularly like you said, when Isaiah Thomas comes back or, or when Derrick Rose is creating off the dribble, um, I actually think there's you know a, a really good amount of spacing there, and, and I think they're going to score a ton of points. Um, you would, I think, you know, like to see them maybe balance it out, you know, a little bit more. But you know, it's it's not you know, hockey style lineups where all of the shooters will come off the floor and all of the non-shooters will be back in. And, you know, that's why I'd, I'd like to see some Dwayne Wade, Kevin Love lineups. I'd like to see, um, you know, uh, LeBron, JR, Corver, Tristan lineups, you know, um, where, you know, and I think that's where, you know, Jay Crowder, I, I was somebody who I'm sort of an Isaiah Thomas skeptic and I was kind of, one of the few skeptics on what the Cavs actually got back in that trade. But I mean, I think we all love what we see from Jay Crowder so far. And, um, you know, he just allows for a lot of lineup flexibility. So, um, you know, I think the Cavs with their starting lineup are giving up a lot defensively and, and maybe even rebounding wise, but, uh, just putting J.R. Smith into the starting lineup, I, I think does a lot to help some of those spacing issues. Crowder's shooting is going to be vitally important for what they're going to do because if he's hitting threes, particularly in the corner, particularly just when things collapse around LeBron, that'll go a long way to kind of solving some of the things because, like again, I, I don't think you want to use Kevin Love just in, in, in the one way as a shooter. I don't think you want to have LeBron. Like, if you're making LeBron to create, to create space, like, that's just a weird use of LeBron. And, yes, like, the, the LeBron dribble, because they didn't come out rush out to defend him three-pointer against the Bucks is one of the my three favorite moments of the season because he was just trolling them as he was kind of taking over that game late. But there are, there are just, like, little things where you can't create enough spacing. I, I think the key to all this is ends up being Tyron Lue. Um, I, I think you have to hope he pairs the right just does the right lineups and creates the right lineups where he's not playing like Wade and Rose probably should not overlap like that was part of the, one of the issues with the starting lineup and Shumpert and, and Wade and Rose like should never be on the floor together and two of those guys like honestly any combination of those two maybe shouldn't share the floor and so that means JR 
you know, has to probably play in these right lineups. And Corver is going to have to, I think, like be a big part of bench units with LeBron. I think, honestly, I think Corver out of anyone like should just have his minutes matched with LeBron. I think like he's the most maximized when he's just going to be playing with LeBron. And you know, Wade, like you said, Wade has to be kind of maybe be paired with Love and maybe want to sneak one other shooter on the floor. And maybe in certain games you need to dust off Fry if, if things, depending on how things go. And and as and Isaiah presents all these other questions because if if Wade's coming off the bench and you're not going to bring Isaiah off the bench, I would imagine. You know, Rose and, and Wade would have to be staggered pretty interestingly there. Um, and, how, you know, how does that sort of ego battle handle itself? It's, these are complicated questions that we're not going to really get resolutions to for, for months, which isn't particularly a fun concept to, to kind of think about. But maybe a lot of this does, in my at least in my mind, come down to, okay, how does Tyloo manage this and who is he playing with who and how is he – what is he valuing in lineups? Is he valuing spacing? Is he valuing guys he thinks can defend? Is he – does he tr- and who does he trust? Like, does he trust Amon Shumpert's going to hit threes and not take bad shots within the context of all? There's there's questions that I think we'll probably get some answers to, but there's also some stuff I just kind of feel like we know what we're getting out of Amon Shumpert. You know, like we're not going to get anything revolutionary out of him. Like we're gonna we know what you're going to get. And I think there has to be some of that with sort of knowing what is going to work and what also is going to maximize. Le- LeBron at what is going to maximize Kevin Love because it, it, it at least does seem like they are going to use Love differently in, in moments this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, um, but I, I, I sort of think that makes things more fun, right? Because no, it definitely does. Um, we, I mean, I think you know probably more than anybody um, how mentally checked out I was for long stretches last year. Um, mainly because the team was, you know, I mean, they, they, <laughs> I, I was like trying, I, I was kind of discussing the team last year with somebody and I had to like, a lot of it had to be like jogged back into my memory. Like this notion, I, I had to re-remember um, how good Tristan Thompson was defensively. And then how, like after the all-star break, like he just didn't, I mean, he, I don't know if he was just dead or hurt or all of the above. Um, you know, I, I looked at their net rating from last year, and it was just like exceedingly average, right? So, I mean, it was a like really frustrating team last year because it was very clear that they did not care because they knew, and it, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really even ripping on them. They they knew that they would be judged on the finals and the finals alone, right? And it's you're exactly right. This year's different in terms of we don't have answers to any of these questions, right? So, um, you know, leading up to winning the title, there were all these questions: Can Kyrie be good enough? Is you know, can Tristan be good enough? Um, you know, what happens to Kevin Love when he has to guard the pick and roll? Blah blah blah. And we got like positive answers to all of those questions. And then we spent all of last year base basically being like. You know, well, the Warriors got better. We stayed the same. We'll see if if it's enough. And you know, whether it was bad habits or whether the Warriors were just better than the Cavs were, uh, you know, you, you didn't get a good answer to the question. But uh, the regular season last year was largely a waiting game, right? And and you know, we had Richard Jefferson junk, you know, dunking on Clay Thompson, and um, you know, we get to watch LeBron James play, uh, you know, all the time, but. This year, the way exactly the way you laid it out, um, you know how how they try and mix and match these players, um, you know, will have a huge say and sort of how good they are on a nightly basis. Um, 
and how good LeBron is um, defensively in terms of of what numbers he wants to put up in the regular season. That'll have a big impact as well. Well, you're right about last year's Cavs being something that the regular season version and really the playoff version now because of the, the roster of all, there's really hard to put into any sort of context of this year, I think. I think, like, LeBron in the regular season was was, was was coasting. And, you know, Kyrie, like, Kyrie's presence being there last year and then not being here this year in itself is a very different thing. And I, you know, I haven't been, uh, you know, to a game yet, and I know you haven't either, but... Like the there's just just a different sort of like energy around just the team too in a, in a way that I I think just feels more energetic and and I don't know exactly what that translates to in the regular season and what stylistic things we'll see because I do think you are gonna see Lou have to tinker and choose to tinker I mean I think you, the Wade adjustment is proof of that and I think just kind of finding roles for these new guys that he hasn't coached before is gonna be part of that it, it's a different roster and I and I think that certainly will lead to questions and I, and I do think the only thing that I really feel like we can take away from last year is that they're probably still going to be bad on defense but it, and it's for some of the same reasons but you're at least going to I think see like Crowder means you have at least like a guy you can have put on your the other team's best player JR back in the starting lineup will help you know I think and, and like maybe LeBron's playing free safety and, and Kevin Love's been I think okay defensively I think the only time he's been really bad is when he closed called the run played the first five minutes of the Magic game, and he just got they got abused in the pick and roll because Jose Calderon is is bad. But there's these little things we just don't know, and that's interesting in itself. What have you liked out of the first week? What about the first week to you has been a positive from the the, the win against the Milwaukee, the win against Boston, which is a game I have almost no desire to like analyze because I just everything about that game was weird. And then the loss to to the Magic, which in itself was another extreme weird. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think you can look at two things. I think you know benching Dwayne Wade. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a fun thing to like the most, but I think just in terms of of impact on the court, I think it'll be the most productive thing. I think they were uh, the starters in the two games that they had won were outscored by like twenty one points per hundred possessions when they had played. Um, and, you know, for most people, I think, as we talked about, were sort of skeptical that that starting lineup would work. Um, but there were a few, you know, people on Twitter and elsewhere that, you know, defended it and said, you know, they'd work it out. And um, you couldn't really take a victory lap on those guys today because the second part of what they always said was, and if it doesn't work, they'll just change it. And I was a little worried that, you know, because of Dwayne Wade's, um, you know, reputation and, and what he's done in his career, it would be difficult for Ty Lue to just change the starting lineup. And I think, you know, the fact that they've been able to do it after just three games is, is, is really, you know, I think good to see, um, in terms of actually what you've seen in the games. I mean, that, that win in Milwaukee was really impressive. I think, Milwaukee really wanted that game. I thought Milwaukee played with a lot of energy, um, but the Cavs uh, moved the ball incredibly well. Um, I don't really like how people. I've I've written extensively about it. You know, uh, people sort of equate ball movement with like success, and I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. But the ball was moving with purpose, and it was getting to the right players at the right moments, and the Cavs. Um, just played a really good game and, and LeBron was 
super motivated and focused, which he always seems to be against Milwaukee. Um, but I, I thought that showed um, uh, that, you know, as, last year's regular season wasn't that great. But I think this team does still have a really high ceiling. Um, and maybe I'm just a pessimist, but it was good for me to, to see that, um, especially so early in the year because, you, you know, you expect um, some growing pains as they integrate new faces and all that. Growing pains, I think, are a big part of it. I think the Milwaukee win was, I mean, for obvious reasons, because it was their best, it was A, their best win, and B, um, you know, like the, the, the Celtics game, again, just the Hayward injury just kind of throws a wrinkle on everything, and the Kyrie stuff was just obviously going to take up, be the narrative of that night. I I think they handled the Bucks's like, length and Giannis's outburst better than I kind of expected they would at this point in the year. I think you just saw what Kevin Love was doing against Chris Middleton and posting him up and, and kind of dominating a, a matchup against a smaller but yet kind of strong wing type player was a really encouraging sign. I think they went at Thon Maker and, and, or Thon Maker and kind of dominated him, and I think they attacked the Bucks' guards in a way that made sense, and I think they did everything right. And you're gonna, you have to live with Giannis, just kind of be doing Giannis things like Crowder. Hit open threes in that game, and he didn't. You know, you can't contain Giannis. LeBron couldn't contain Giannis, but you can. You can got through a lot of that, and that in itself just is a good sign. And you could tell the Cavs were up for that game later on. You could tell that at least like they were not going to just kind of lay down and, and kind of let a game like that go. And I think they're going to a year ago it wouldn't have shocked me if the Cavs kind of went into this game earlier in the year, first half of back to back game you're not considering and then went out to make a statement and coincidentally maybe it's the Bucks because last year the Bucks were a team that fired them up that really came at them hard and got them going earlier in the year so maybe it was just kind of a carryover of that but I think there was something there that they just kind of wanted to win that game and I liked in that game too how they used Corver. I don't know exactly what caused Lou to do it I think some of it had to just be there was one play that worked but they did just a lot of little stuff to get him open on screens. You saw him flaring out to the wings. You saw him coming around screens more like he did with the Hawks and used in a way that they didn't really use him last year. And I sort of like that as its own little thing when he's on the floor. It, it can't be a huge part of your offense. You probably should not run plays for him like maybe the Hawks did when he was at his peak in, the six, in that 60-win team. But a couple times a game, if you have him coming around screens with LeBron James being the one pulling the strings and deciding where he's going to get the ball and – and getting him the ball at all, like that's effective offense when you need spacing. And, and it, when you do that, you could see the Bucks have to kind of start marking Corver, face guarding him, and that creates opportunities for other guys, for Derrick Rose, for LeBron James, for guys that need to attack off the dribble. I like that Lou did something that, I mean, he really never did last year because they just didn't really have to have Corver do anything other than stand there and wait to get an open pass when LeBron or Kyrie attacked the rim. Yeah, and, and you know, we've seen in the playoffs different teams guard Corver differently and um Corver was getting like face guarded from the minute he came on the court against Milwaukee and um hit the first three he made was from like 27 feet and a guy had his hand in his face and it's like I, you don't even have to run plays for him he's helping you either way at that point um and you know I, I understand it because he was horrific in you know the opening night game uh win uh we played seven minutes he didn't get a shot off got posted um, by marcus smart twice yeah right i mean he, it was it was bad um and there were a couple times that tristan thompson should have came over and helped him but he didn't get the help but 
Um, you know, people are, you know, at the beginning of, of the Milwaukee game, Corver checks in and everybody's mad. And then like two minutes go by and Corver hasn't taken a three and everybody's mad. But in the meantime, the Cavs are getting these, you know, off ball cuts for easy layups. Derek Rose is putting in, um, you know, layups off passes from LeBron. It's like, meanwhile, Kyle, Kyle Corver's, you know, off, you know, like I said, 25, 27 feet away from the basket, but you know, they're all up on him. So, um, you know, anytime you have LeBron James on the floor and you can turn it into a four on four game instead of a five on five game, you know, that's just so helpful. And if, if teams are going to play Corver like that, um, it makes it a lot easier to play him. And, and you're right. They did run some sets for him and, and run him off some screens. And, um, I do think particularly, um, now that more shooting is going into the starting lineup and away from, you know, the, the bench, they, they really will have to get creative in how they use Corver because, um, you, you described it pretty well earlier that they're, the bench does not have the amount of shooters that, you know, we had seen in the past. Was there anything in your mind that stood out as an outright negative? We've hit on, on Wade, which I think in its own right, probably the biggest frustrating point of the week, but is there anything else to you that stood out as, as a bad, a bad sort of start for the Cavs on any front. Um, I mean, I don't know. They're just old. Um, and <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not great. It's like people get so mad if you say negative things about Jeff Green. It's like in the year 2017, how are you going to bat for Jeff Green? Um, like you, what? you went okay. So you went exactly where I was going to go because Jeff Green against the Magic in a game where they were still only down by 10 or something like that. Tyron Lue ran a play for Jeff Green at the elbow. Yeah. And just, he, I, in, just not, in the it's first, not useful. In the first game, he had eight shots in 14 minutes. It's like, what? Yeah. Um, and, you know, if he's, if he's not going to hit three, it's kind of like what you said about Jake Prowder in terms of you know, whether he makes shots is a huge part of his value, and that's true. Uh, with Jeff Green, it's like the dividing line between, you know, playable and unplayable. And, um, you know, he, he's played pretty hard defensively. I, I don't mean to pick on him, but, um, you know, you, you're playing him. Um, you're playing Derrick Rose. You're playing Dwayne Wade. Um, you're not playing, you know, Chetty Osman. You're not playing uh, Zizic. And, you know that that's probably fine. I have no idea if, if Osman's ready to play real NBA minutes. He's probably not. But you know, you look at the the Spurs, you look at the Warriors. Those are teams that go out and they figure out what they have. And more often than not, they don't have much. You know, whether it's um, Briante Weber or Kevin Looney or um, you know any of these young guys that you know, for a week and a half is the Warriors next, you know, all-star or whatever, but, you know, ultimately doesn't end up being that good, but at least they're going out there and, and trying to give these guys opportunities. Um, we don't do that in Cleveland and, you know, it's great that we love the Canton charge and all that, but I'd love to see what these guys could do on, on the court. So why Jeff Green gets minutes over, you know, Chetty Osmond, in the playoffs, I would get it. I don't know if I get it in the regular season. Uh, the the read rates on Kenton Charge articles tells me is what I need to to know about the Kenton Charge. But like, I mean, I think you're right. Um, 
the Warriors, they, they have guys like Looney and McAdoo that get overplayed and become a problem. And, and like, there, there's a line there for sure. But f- when you do, when you open yourself up to the idea that a young guy can play, you end up maybe getting a Patrick McCaw. You get a, you maybe get a Jordan Bell who's been like certainly overhyped, but has been kind of doing really interesting things. Um, and in San Antonio, you get Jante Murray. You get someone who is re- like adequately replacing Tony Parker to start the year and legitimately looks like a NBA rotation player. You know, like I don't, I don't think as much as I think Kay Felder was very good in the in the in the G League last year, I don't know if playing him was gonna turn him into a a quality backup point guard. Like maybe he's better than Calderon, but that's not really saying very much, you know? Like that's just an issue in itself. But like Jeff Green is what he is. Like I mean he's coming off the worst three point shooting year of his career I mean he's in Orlando so that's certainly worth noting that he's playing on a pretty bad team with with limited spacing and shot 27.5 percent from three and 2.8 attempts per game he isn't a good defender and Lou believes in him I think that's worth noting that if you listen to what Tyrone Lou had to say about him leading up to the year this was someone that he coached in Boston this is someone that he knows and, and trusts and kind of believes in and I think one of the things with Lou is that he does kind of lean on guys that he trusts and he does lean on things that he sort of knows. It, it's one of the Doc Rivers' influences on him, I, I think, at least. And I think like they think Jeff Green can be this thing, and I think they believe that he can be maximized in the way Derek Williams was. The, the question is, at least like for, for as much as I got annoyed talking about Derek Williams last year, like he could cut and he could get to the rim and, and do these things. Jeff Green's not really doing that. He's just kind of floating around the run three-point line. He had that really good dunk in the preseason. But he's not hitting threes, and and he shouldn't be having sets run for him. Like he, no matter who he's on the floor with, I just can't. I just don't think Jeff Green from the left elbow, with is like a, is a good offensive possession. Like there's just no way that's actually going to be something that turns into value. And and I agree with you. I don't know if Osman's ready to contribute. I would sort of just rather find out at least right now than having Jeff Green play 17 minutes a night. Yeah, and and I you know that at the end of the day, playing Jeff Green is not a huge issue and it's not worth you know getting worked up about but i just think it's it's not just griff jeff green it's that it's you know the place for Dwayne wade it's the place for Derek rose um yeah uh, channing fry is still on the roster um and it just seems like you know, and 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 I'm not. Frankly, I'm not. I, you didn't hear me say very many times last year. Why isn't K Felder playing? I didn't. I didn't believe in in K Felder. I don't. I, I, I don't really have a whole lot of affinity for guards under six feet tall. But um, and that extends to other Cavaliers. But Certain ones that wear number three that have hip injuries. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see. But. Um, you know, obviously, it, it it has to be a, a real prospect if if I feel like you really need to be playing, and and I think Osman is one. Um, and I think Zizic is a, a you know a former first round pick that people have said nice things about. So, um, eventually, I'd like to see these guys you know get shots. Um, but injuries happen, and and people you know they'll they'll be able to probably get some time in Canton, and and we'll see what they have. Yeah, John Holland, Osman, Kendrick Perkins, and Zizic uh, lineup should be really, really good. Ken with London Perantes, um running, running point. Who's the two-way guy they signed? Last thing, David, Derrick Rose out Tuesday, out Wednesday. Doesn't look like 
his injury super serious, but it's now gonna just be already missed games for him. Any concern over over Rose so far early in the season, whether it's injuries or whether it's his play? I was I, I was mildly optimistic um, coming into the year um, when I wrote that last piece for Fear the Sword um, about how I'd, I again I didn't I didn't think the starting lineup made a whole lot of sense. Um, I was actually sort of pleasantly surprised to see Rose's stats from last year. He had a league average true shooting rate. Um, I like what I've seen. I think he's 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 quicker. Uh, you know, he's still got that that quickness. Um, I think when he plays with LeBron, LeBron, uh, you know, soaks up a lot of attention. And I think um, you know you've seen him be able to finish at the rim a little bit. He's had some wild drives. He's going to do that. Um, but when he drives, it at least, and I, I know I'm sort of a broken record, but defenses have to react to that. And um, and I think, you know, when you put Derek, when you put him next to J.R. Smith and Crowder and Love, and then you have, you know, a world-class creator like LeBron, um, I'm actually pretty optimistic about what it might look like. Now, is he Kyrie Irving? No. Is he um, is he Isaiah Thomas? No. But um, you know, I think there is a, a real role for him, and um, he's got to stay healthy, like you said. I don't know how serious this is or what, but um, I think he has a chance to be helpful. Um, aside from any feelings I have about him as a human being or whatever, but um, I'm actually fairly optimistic about it. He's already in the top five weirdest interviews I've ever had. Really? Out. Yeah, because just the way he – if you go back and watch his media day interview, just like the way he still talks about what he is and, and how he views things was just very bizarre to me. Um, Just just very a guy who still thinks he's like an MVP. And that's like a really, really odd thing to consider. Like Wade, I think, is, is openly sort of dealing with the idea that he's not number two option anymore. Like he's – you know, not like it's not like the Heat where LeBron moved on and and he just kind of took over the mantle again. It's not like Chicago where it was the th- the three alphas. <laughs> like he's Kevin Love's already here and LeBron James is here and Isaiah Thomas will be back and all these things and it's different. And I think Rose is just like I want to I want to be the guy and I think you are. I think he has been good and when when he when he is driving and attacking the rim and when he is kicking out to others and he's being explosive he looks really good but I, the the moment he has an ankle injury um i get a little squeamish because it derrick rose and ankle injuries and lower body injuries are just the if those start adding up you're gonna just get immediately dimish, diminishing returns in a guy who's only played 60 games a year anyway and you're getting into some interesting territory but he he's one of the most interesting things because like if you if he breaks down and isaiah is not healthy what do the Cavs have a point guard you have jose calderon and you have London Parantes on for forty five days. So like, what do you do to compensate there? Like that's not that's not worth diving into now because it's so many hypotheticals. But it's it's a th- situation where it could be January and Rose is banged up and Isaiah is not healthy and you're basically gonna probably have to play Dwayne Wade at point guard a bunch and that that's that's gonna be a change too. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, hopefully Isaiah Thomas is 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 back and is healthy and and can play, but. Um, you know, it's it's kind of worth mentioning. It doesn't really seem like you know 
Mr. Gilbert is as interested in spending as you know money like he used to. So um, I'm curious to see. I, I think they're going to roll with the point guard position as is. They can you know they can play Wade there if they need to. They can play LeBron there if they need to. But um, no, it's it's not it's not ideal. By any Basically, means. don't don't expect an Eric Bledsoe trade. Just just right. don't expect the Cavs to flip something for Eric Bledsoe. He's probably getting moved. If you listen to this, he may have been moved already. But <laughs> like just based on what we've read about that situation, but Cleveland's not um, a landing spot for him. But David, as always, thanks for coming on. Um, you can find David on Twitter at David Zabok and. Uh, you can read his pieces, one about three-point shooting, one about the Cavs' defense, both at The Athletic, and uh, you can find them in the show notes of this podcast. Dave, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, always happy to do it. Talk yeah. to you soon. What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.